guys, it's Janice. If you love this podcast and you've gotten great value and maybe a bit of entertainment out of past episodes, please consider a donation in support of both my podcast fees and my coffee habit. There's no obligation. Just click the link below and thanks so much for your support. Now on to today's episode. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to this episode of Connections, Coffee, and Confidence. My name's Janice, and I'm the host of this podcast where we talk about strategic communications, messaging, and content creation, all critical things for those of us running a business. And whether you're creating content for your business or as your business, I know that you're going to find something in this episode to help you be successful. And oh, today's topic? It's a killer. And okay, you might roll your eyes. You might think, oh, heavens, let me fold socks or anything to keep me amused while I listen to this. But really, this is one of those things that is so often overlooked when it comes to building a strategy. It's also overlooked when it comes to evaluating your business. Are you intrigued? It's research. Now, I'm not going to get all super data-driven in here. I'm not going to talk statistics or try to convince you to invest in a major consumer study, although, depending on the size of your business, it might not be such a bad idea. I assume that you are operating a small team. Perhaps you and a VA, maybe just you. So I want to convince you that research is something you need to devote a piece of your limited resources to, so that you don't waste any resources on content or campaigns that won't best serve you. So this episode is going to cover five reasons for research, no matter the industry or the size of your business. First, research helps you understand your environment. When you understand the situation you're operating in, you won't be taken by surprise by major shifts or by complete turnarounds. Your ability to prepare for potential threats and opportunities is significantly increased when you understand the big picture, and your stress level will go down. You're way better off having an inkling of the worst case scenario and knowing that you have a mitigation plan to easily implement, rather than being blindsided or worse, knowing that something might hit you over the head 
and not knowing what it might be or when it could fall on you. Ooh, the stress of that. Some questions you want to ask yourself include, what is the state of play in your business right now? Where are you compared to five months ago? How about five years ago? Are you on track to be where you had planned? What strategies, products, services, and partnerships are working or not working? And how do you feel about them? Some external research also comes into play because it's all well and good to know how your own business is fixed, but we aren't in business alone. You want to know where you are in line with the rest of your industry. So what are the trends locally and globally? What is the environment like right now? None of us operate in a vacuum. So what's happening in industries that are linked to yours that might have a knock-on effect on your business or that might signal a trend that you can jump on and incorporate into your current operations or offering? I assume that you know how to look into your own data, just like I'm assuming that you know your data. (laughs) Please tell me that you're tracking something, even your basic Google Analytics of web traffic or numbers of inquiries or appointments. These are great ways for you to track trends that aren't straight up just money related because data is more than just money in the bank and out on bills. Data runs to soft stuff too, like positive and negative feelings, intentions, and memories as well. You'll research different things depending on your goals. So some simple ways to research these topics outside of your business include your favorite search engine, of course, Look up any industry research papers or thought leader articles. Look for an industry publication or find a person who's successful in your industry or in an industry adjacent to yours and see if they've been on any podcasts or interviewed on YouTube. Because if you don't like to read, there are usually options for gathering information in a style that you can live with. And if you aren't much of an analyst, that's fine. There are always experts who are willing to talk about their favorite topics. You just need to find them, then sift through their information and check their conclusions as they apply to your current experience and to your future operations. The second is to research your audience. Yes, even if you are your own audience. We are human beings and we make assumptions. We usually think our past experiences and thoughts are universal to people like us, but we're often wrong. And it's not a flaw, it's actually how our brain is wired. We think less by just making those assumptions, by making patterns and applying those patterns to people and situations. It saves us from having to think too hard and it helps our brain conserve energy. So it's ready to react to the crazy things that require focus and intense thinking. So we all make assumptions and from a brain health perspective, that's great. From a public relations, marketing, messaging perspective, not so much. Our assumptions make us run the risk of alienating our target audience, of missing our target audience, excluding people from our audience. And yes, missing and excluding are different. What I mean by missing our target audience is that we have people in mind that we want to speak to, but because we didn't research them, we don't use language that they understand, or we don't know their needs versus their wants. So we miss them. And by excluding, well, we all have some form of bias based on our personal experiences. And it's hard to include people when they simply aren't in your frame of reference. 
When my husband isn't at home and I'm meal planning, he's not in my frame. So I don't ask him if there's anything that he'd like to eat. I don't even think of him. However, he is impacted by my decisions. He does use my services and consume my products. So he is an audience member and I probably should include him. A bit of research would remind me that he is indeed someone I should speak to. The exclusion piece is being really well covered by so many incredibly eloquent people and I'm actually going to post a list in the show notes if this is something that you want to learn more about. When you don't research your audience, you won't know who your audience is. Kind of basic, right? You won't have a clear idea of how to segment them. Don't forget, we can segment our audience by what their needs are, what their situations are, by the price they're willing to pay and what they're able to pay, things like that. So without knowing your audience as a whole, you won't know how to segment them effectively. Nor do you have a clear idea of who you're actually speaking with when you decide to promote your product or service. Sure, some of what you assume will be right, but an awful lot will fly on by those you want it to land on. And what a waste that can be. Some simple ways to research your target audience include asking them about themselves. You know, straight up chit chat in the midst of a transaction or in emails, or do it as part of a feedback form. You can find things out if you just ask. As long as you aren't too intrusive, people are generally happy to talk about themselves. You just need to ask and listen. You can also do a wee bit of snooping. The joy of social media from a social marketing standpoint is that you can usually go look at people. Now yes, this is a totally double-edged sword and I urge you to use this for good. Don't pry. But have a look in groups, say, at the language being used when people discuss whatever you want to address. What are they actually saying and what's behind it? How can you use that information? Who are they? What does their situation seem to be? And last, have a look at your own work to date. If you blog, which ones have done well and with who? Who's commenting and what are they saying? If you have a few posts that blew up and then some that were dismal, it happens. But analyze them to see what was working and what wasn't and with whom. The third reason you should research leads on quite naturally from knowing your audience and I've already touched on it a bit and that's your messaging. If you don't have your messaging right, you are going to flop. It really is that simple. If you don't have clear messaging and the audience awareness of how to deliver that messaging in the most effective and efficient way, well, who are you even talking to? How are you selling your stuff or bringing people into your world? When evaluating your messaging, take a step back and look at it. Yes, I suggest you have it written out somewhere. And may I recommend my workbook on messaging, which you'll find at janicefogarty.com. When you look at what you've written down, ask yourself about the language you use. Is there jargon? Words that your average bear wouldn't necessarily use or understand. Do you have what is now referred to as social proof, but really just means testimonials? Do you ever get a text or a DM from a client or a customer who says something nice about you? All of this helps you develop your messaging. Do the words you have written include the benefits that people will get from your service or product? Is your messaging informative or instructive? Will people know what to do after reading or hearing you? 
Is it concise? And okay, yeah, I'm a fine one for talking about being concise. I know. Sometimes I have more words than a dictionary and a thesaurus combined, but I swear I'm always working on refining my messaging, and I can spot wordiness a mile away. I've gone over a few ways to research your messaging when I was talking about audience. There is overlap, but there are some other ways to evaluate specifically your messaging. Once again, you can ask. If you have it written out, either in plain message format like bullet points or woven into an ad or a blog, you can hand it over to someone and ask them what they understand from the text. If they tell you what you want to hear, then you know your messaging is clear and on point. You can do what's called A-B testing, where you write or say something in two different ways and see which one gets the better response. Many email programs will allow you to do this with your titles, for example. Whichever one gets more opens, that's the one or the style that you roll with in the future. You can also do a Google search for your topic and scroll down to see the other suggestions. So you know when you type it in and then you, Google gives you the full screen full of links, but then at the bottom there are the similar searches? Well, that's data right there. It tells you what people are looking for and how they're describing it. And those are probably the people you want to target. So Google is actually giving you the messaging bits straight from the people looking for it. The fourth reason to research is to understand your results. Because results aren't always measured in dollars or pounds or euro, whatever. They can be measured in leads, in follows, in email subscribers, in a decrease to queer inquiries to your help desk, to a decrease in people contacting you through DMs because you've asked them to contact you through email. Okay, this is actually a goal of one of my clients. It's something that we're working on in her content. Your goals will outline what you measure for your results. But in order for the measurement to mean something, you have to have a baseline. And that needs to be done at the very beginning of your campaign or your efforts to communicate around your chosen topic. Unless you have the patience to go do that extra digging back in time and uh, no, no thank you. Some ways to easily research your baseline. Okay, basically it's math. Go look at your open rates, your click-through, your website bounce rate. Count the number of queries on a certain topic that you fielded over the last month. How much time have you spent on something? Because sometimes you might still get queries on a topic, but the questions are better, meaning you can answer them more quickly and spend less time on them. That's a win. You can also do a baseline survey of people and ask how they feel about what you do or if they even know what you do, if you're looking to improve sentiment or awareness. How many people know what you do or feel good about your business? And then to check your results, you do the same thing. You just compare the numbers. The fifth reason to research is because as you research what you think your challenge is, you might find that you're wrong. And the problem is actually somewhere else in the chain of business events. You might find opportunities you didn't know existed. When you check your assumptions, sometimes things come to light that you didn't expect, and then you have the options to ignore the opportunity, which is totally fine, to tuck it away for later, or to jump on it. It might turn into a collaboration. It might turn into a gift idea for somebody else. But you wouldn't have realized it was there if you weren't checking your assumptions and researching. There are no quick and easy ways to specifically do this. Just keep your mind open. Something will fall into it. So what do you think? 
Are you convinced about starting to do some research into audiences or assumptions before you start planning your communications activities? Research is a major part of communications planning and strategy, simply because of the amount of waste it prevents. It might seem tedious or redundant sometimes, especially when we are our own audience, when we use our own products or we provide a service that we fell in love with. But understanding our environment, knowing and accurately segmenting our audience, having sharp targeted messaging, knowing how to evaluate the results of our efforts, and uncovering opportunities are five fantastic reasons to build at least a bit of research into your communications work. And if you like the sounds of a straightforward and practical approach to communications planning, get on my waitlist for my strategic planning course at janicefogarty.com. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you know of someone who might get some benefit out of this information, why not send it to them or tag them on social media? You can also leave a review or a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. It helps other people to see my podcast and know that it's worthy of their time. And as an independent podcaster, I super appreciate your support. Until next time, my friend, have a fan-freaking-tastic rest of your day. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.